Hey, there we go. I want to welcome you guys to the Christian Church of Estes Park. We're disciples of Jesus, build generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. Of course, I'm Pastor Aaron. I'm glad that you're here today. And since you are here, hopefully you all got a bulletin. And inside that bulletin, you'll notice there's a little green connection card. If you all take that out for me, I would sure appreciate it. Let me see them. I don't see any of them. Wow. Oh, there we go. We got some now. You Now you have it in your hand. Why don't you fill it out for me? That's a great thing to do since it's in your hand. Just let me know that you're here later on. We're going to come back to that, some next steps that I'm going to encourage you to take. Also, throughout the message, if you have a prayer request, put that down on there. One of the things that I get to do every week is to pray for you. And if I know how, even better. If you're joining us online, of course, you can fill out that connection card online which uh, we would sure appreciate. Let us know that you're with us so we can be praying for you as well. Well, since we're here today, we're going to be starting up. We have a new series uh, that we started, Jonah. And uh, I tell you, what, I started this studying for the series about a year ago. And I thought I knew a whole bunch about Jonah, right? We all know the story. A guy gets swallowed by a big fish, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, I had no idea how relevant this story was. And then God showed me that I, me and Jonah, we have way too much in common. So he had to give me a bunch of months to walk through with Jonah to the other side and uh, really how applicable this book is for us today. Now, for those of you, as you saw, uh, Carolyn, you have that great invitation to come to Israel with us. We went to the city that uh, we started, we, uh, that Jonah took his voyage on today. Be reading about that. It's kind of interesting. Now, having spent some time in the book of Jonah, a lot of time this last year, I'm excited to go back uh, to see, uh, you know, that crossroads of faith and that we mostly, a lot of us really uh, get to. Today, um, really, the book of Jonah is four chapters in it. And you think about the chapters kind of like different acts of a story. And that's kind of how we're going to cover it. One chapter a week, we're going to be going through. And uh, today, we're going to start off talking about really, how is it that, why is it that we resist God's will? Because we do. And uh, the price that we end up paying for it, right, that Jonah really shows us and our lives testify to, but really getting into it, how do we live in the center of God's will so we don't have to have that misery in our life? That's what we're going to be talking about today. The memory verse that I chose for this series is Proverbs 3.5, which you'll notice is not in the book of Jonah. And that's because this proverb summarizes this book so well, right? So well. So we're going to be Proverbs 3.5 for this series the next four weeks. I really encourage you to set this particular passage into your heart and into your mind as we prepare to, uh, to walk with Jonah through these, uh, this amazing story. So, uh, say it along with me. Here we go. Three, two, one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Proverbs 3, 5. Again, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Proverbs 3, 5. Okay, again, one more time, because this is a really long one, and then we'll test ourselves. Here we go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Proverbs 3, 5. Okay, now let's test ourselves. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. 
Proverbs 3, 5. You sounded great. It's like you've done that one before. We did two years ago. Well done bringing back the hits. All right, if you have your Bible, let's open them up to the book of Jonah. This is in the Old Testament. It's in that section at the very end of the Old Testament. So it's kind of like halfway through most of our Bibles. There's called the Minor Prophets. The Minor Prophets. Now, this doesn't mean this is the minor league prophets, which is what I thought when I first became a Christian. I'm like, well, they didn't make it to the majors, but these are decent prophets, I guess. <laughs> it's not the way that it is. Minor prophets just means that they're shorter. Like these guys were able to put their story into a much tighter space. There's 12 of them. Jonah's one of those. And so here we are in the book of Jonah. We'll be going through uh, chapter 1 today. Let me do some summary for you on chapter 1. You can read it at home. The first thing you're going to notice about Jonah in here is he's a prophet. Right? That's why he's in the Minor Prophets, because he's a prophet. Now, what's a prophet? Well, a prophet is a guy who was given a job by God to go and speak for him. Right? Remember, this was written, and, and Jonah came in the days before we had the Bible, because it was still being written. Make sense? Right? So that was good, and it was before Jesus had come and then sent the Holy Spirit to us. So if people wanted to talk to God, they didn't have it as easy as us, right? They didn't have a Bible you couldn't open up and say, hey, there's God's word. This is his will for our lives. And they didn't have the Holy Spirit. They talked to God and prayed. They didn't have the Holy Spirit bringing conviction and help and all that kind of stuff. So God designated different people, prophets, to be able to speak on his behalf. And, and so prophets typically came uh, to people in different times, sometimes to give them wisdom, sometimes to give them encouragement, direction. Other times God said prophets to help people co- to correct people. Basically, if they were going off track, like they were going away from God, God would send a prophet and say, hey, you're going the wrong way, okay? And here's how you get back. And, and Jonah was one of those prophets. That was his entire job, right? So we have Jonah. He's in here. And to recognize that Jonah, is a, he has a message not just for the people back then. God, in his foresight, in his wisdom, allowed Jonah's prophecies to be recorded. Jonah wrote these things down for us. And so there's something in this book for us today. In fact, you're going to find a lot of cool things in this. Something else that Jonah, he wasn't just a prophet, is that he was a real guy. Now, when I was growing up, right, I heard this story, and I thought, this is a fairy tale. Dude gets swallowed by a fish? No way! And you know what? There's a lot of people who have that idea that Jonah was just this made-up story that, you know, was made to teach us a point. No, Jonah was a real guy. New Testament talks about, Jesus talks about Jonah. In fact, the beginning of this, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amnitai. You know what? Who doesn't have dads? Fictitious people. You know, Jonah had a dad, right? When Jesus told parables, he's like, there was a guy who was a farmer. It wasn't the, there was this farmer, son of Ishmael. It wasn't that. He had names, different people. He said, this is a person Right? This is a human being. Jonah actually lived. He was a real guy who lived in a difficult time, and God used his life to teach us a message. It's important for us. When did he live? Well, he lived in the, basically the 8th century B.C., and he was uh, served at the same time as prophet that there was this king, Jeroboam II, was in charge of the northern kingdom of, of Israel. And this king, Jeroboam II, was just about as bad as King Jeroboam I, right? They were just bad, and usually reruns are worse, and so it was. Not a great guy, not a great king. And at the same time, Assyria was in power. Now, we don't know much about Assyria today, but back then they were the big, bad superpower of the times, and they were really, really bad. Like, 
uh, the worst neighbors you can think of. These were the kind of neighbors that would go in and they would take over a village. Say there would be 200, 300 people living in a village or maybe 1,000 or 2,000 people in a small city. And they would go in and they would be like, hey, we want your stuff. And so they would take all the stuff and then they would kill all the people as they tortured them. And then they would leave their heads in these piles inside of the city, in the center of the city. So everybody would know around them, don't mess with your big bad neighbor on the other side. We could take whatever we want and do whatever we want. This was Assyria. And guess who was neighbors to them? Israel, right? And guess who didn't like these big bad bullies so much? Israel. They had good reason to hate them. Is Assyria knew they were tough. They, were the, they could do anything they wanted. They murdered Israelites. All they wanted, took whatever they wanted from them. It was a hard time to live next to Assyria. And that's the time when Jonah lived. And I Based upon Jonah's attitude towards Assyria, I suspect that he suffered greatly and personally at the hands of this empire. And he was looking for them to get their own, right? This was a bad, evil, awful, wicked people, Assyria was. It's one of the reasons that we don't really know about them today. We know about Babylon, right? We hear about Babylon, we know a lot more about them. Assyria was so bad that later on God wiped them out so thoroughly that it wasn't even until like this century that we har- knew hardly anything about them. Like He thoroughly scrubbed the record book of them for a long time. right? So Jonah was a real guy, lived in a hard time. He was a prophet. His job was to tell people, hey guys, this is God's will. You should go that way. Jonah is also a book, which is why we're reading it. Jonah wrote this book, and it's a book primarily about wisdom and folly. It's a wisdom book. Right? If we read Jonah for, for any other reason, I think we're kind of missing it. The reason that God allowed Jonah to be recorded for us is to teach us how to live a wise life and how to avoid doing dumb things. And here's the thing. All of us do dumb things, and all of us could do a better job learning how to live a better life. That's why God teaches us, right? This is exactly why Jonah has so much for us today. Now, there is wisdom that you're going to find in this in following God's plan. That when we align our lives into what God wants us to do, there's going to be blessing there. There's good things there. But there's also foolishness in running away from God. And Jonah's story really illustrates that very well for us. But our own lives do the same thing, right? In fact, I think as you go through this book of Jonah, you're going to see a lot of yourself in here as well. And one of the great things about Jonah is it helps us to see what somebody else is doing. We're like, haha, that's stupid. And they're like, oh, that's me, Right? So we're like, oh, how do I get in the right spot? How do I can change this? That's what Jonah helps us with. So over the next four weeks, hopefully you're going to find yourself gaining wisdom and learning how to turn away from folly. That's the point of this book. That's why God wrote it, right? And so that's what we're going to be going through. Next thing we're going to find out about is that God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. Now, as we talked about before, uh, Nineveh was not a place that Jonah wanted to go. It was full of bullies who hated God, who were completely awful, who had probably hurt Jonah very personally in the past, most likely, based upon how he uh, thinks about them, right? And God tells Jonah, this prophet of God, this godly man, to go to God's enemies. And this is where it gets sticky. Because God's will is not always what we would want it to be for our lives, right? I mean, this was not what Jonah wanted to do. He absolutely didn't want to go to them. He didn't want to bring God's word to them. He was like, fine, these awful pagans, they're going to be bad to us in this life, but just wait, they're going to be toasty pretty soon. And he was happy with that. But God has different will for our life than we have for our own lives. 
And that's so true, right? One thing you're going to find out in this series as we go through it is, is that God's will is, is the thing that I would choose for my life if I could see my life from God's perspective, right? right? It's, it's exactly I would choose God's will for my life 100% of the time if I could see my life from God's perspective. The problem is I don't see my life from God's perspective, so I want to do what I want to do. And one of the things we find with Jonah is God told him to do something that was not on Jonah's to-do list. Wasn't on his wish list, wasn't on his bucket list, wasn't on anything he wanted to do. God said to Jonah, I want you to do something that's contradictory to what you think you should want to do and something that's totally outside of your comfort zone. And God does that to us too. Oftentimes, God tells us to do things that we wouldn't choose on our own. It's why we need God to help us, to do its absolutely best. Something else we say is that God told Jonah to go to Nineveh is that God, he sees not only what's best for us, but his will for our lives is so much bigger than our lives. Now, Jonah was just thinking, I don't want to go to Nineveh because I don't want to go to Nineveh. And we get through this book and we realize that God sending Jonah to Nineveh didn't have to do anything with really Jonah. And there's so many times in our lives we get so self-centered. We get so selfish. We're like, God, my life is about me. And God's like, no. No, it's not. In fact, one of the most Difficult things for young Christians to embrace and as we grow in Christ is something that we have to continually come to terms with is that it's not about me. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciples, you have to take up your cross daily and follow me. Right? It, it can't be about you. Picking up a cross is not something you do for your health. It's not something you do for your enjoyment. But we do it, Jesus says, but when you lose your life for my sake, you find real living. That the best things that God actually made us for, the real contentment, the real joy, oftentimes seems of the exact opposite direction <laughs> of what we think it would be for our lives. Which is why God directs us, drives us into something better than the selfishness that we see that's running the rest of the world, right? Now Jonah was told by God to go to Nineveh, but he didn't go to Nineveh, right? Nineveh from Israel, it, it was going to be uh, you'd have to go east by land if you wanted to go to Nineveh. But Jonah hears this word from God. God says, go to Nineveh. And he doesn't go east by land. He goes west to the sea and he gets on a boat. And he gets on a boat to go even further west because he runs out of land and he goes to this place called Tarsus. Right? He's going to go as far away as he possibly can from Nineveh. He's like, see ya suckers. I'm running from God. I'm running from God's will. I don't want to do that. Well, Something else you'll find in the first chapter is after Jonah left, right? God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. He, he doesn't. He goes the exact opposite direction. The Lord sent a violent storm. Now, this wasn't by accident. It says in here that God sent the storm to, uh, to, to, Nineveh, uh, to Jonah, right? God planned it. He's like, nope, you're not going to go away, right? The Lord is relentless, and he is powerful. I think it's important for us that let's not forget who serves who. Oftentimes when we're Christians or people want to come to Jesus or you have these fluffy pastors out there that just want everybody to feel encouraged. They're like, God's going to serve you. God's not going to serve you. God says you can serve him and he will save you and he will give you a great life. But don't forget he is master. He is Lord, not you. We don't get to tell God, bless me, Lord. No, we say, God, I want to bless you because he's God. He is God. 
And until we get onto our knees and recognize the fact that we serve an almighty God who could crush us in an instant if he wanted to, and the very fact that he doesn't proves his love and patience with us, should teach us a little bit about humility. God is powerful, and he is not to be trifled with. And there is a day that every knee will bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and everybody, even the devil himself, boom, crushed under his foot. God does not play. So we can't be playing footsie with the Almighty. We have to get real with God. And one of the things that I think Jonah discovered is that the Lord is not a God who does make suggestions. He makes commands. And God didn't say, hey, Jonah, I was thinking about it. I was liking if you would just tow up to Nineveh and preach for me. God said, Jonah, my prophet, go to Nineveh. And the answer was, yes, sir. But no, that's not what Jonah did. He's like, I'm getting on a boat. And God's goes, guess what? I own the water. And yes, you are going to Nineveh. The thing is, Jonah's message and his mission was so much bigger than Jonah. And so God was going to let Jonah thwart that. But here's something for us. God's mission and message for your life is so much bigger than you. You don't live for you. He has something big in your life, a calling that affects so much more than yourself. And God is too relentless, too good to let you get away with throwing your life away. He will chase you down because he loves you too much to see you thwart and run away from all the good things he has for you. Remember, his will is what you would choose for your life if you could see things from his perspective. Like if you were in heaven right now and you're looking down in your life, you'd be like, what an idiot I am. Like, why am I not listening to God? He's got good things for me and I'm doing this. God loves you too much and he will pursue you and he will help you. He's not going to just let you run away. And so God, he sent a violent storm. And the storm was pretty bad. The sailors that are on that boat, these pagan rough sailors, all thought they were going to die. That's how bad the storm was. They're like, oh, it's horrible. And guess what? Jonah was asleep. They're up top thinking, we're going to die. And Jonah, but when he gets on the boat, he says, hey, guys, I'm running from God. And they're like, hey, get on the boat, right? And they get on the boat, and then they're like, oh, we're going to die. And Jonah's down there sleeping. But eventually he did get woken up, and there was a reckoning for him. But it's like that in our life, isn't it? That we affect other people. And sometimes when we're running from God, everybody around us gets affected too. And sometimes we're the last to recognize it. Like we hurt other people. But we don't recognize it because we're being so selfish. Or we're blissfully asleep. But eventually it comes to get us too. Yeah. Eventually, Jonah gets up and everybody's panicked. And he's like, well, I know why this is happening. I'm running from God. And they're like, yeah, you told us. And he's like, the only way that you're going to make this storm stop is by throwing me overboard. Apparently, I have to die. And the sailors are like, well, we don't want to do that, right? But eventually, they're like, yeah, maybe we should. We're all going to die anyway, so just toss them overboard. And then the storm stops. And they're like, he wasn't joking. But here's the crazy thing. God didn't let Jonah drown. You see, God sent a great fish to swallow Jonah. In fact, it says in here he arranged for a, giant, a great fish, a giant fish to swallow him. Now think about this. This wasn't by accident. God planned this in advance. Do you know how long it takes to grow a fish? 
a big fish? And to have that fish just happen to be that place in the water at that particular time? God's a good planner. It's not like God was like, I don't know, maybe Jonah's going to run. God was like, okay, I'm going to teach Jonah a lesson for everybody. And I know Jonah's going to run. But I have a message, and I'm going to prepare for it. And God arranged for a giant fish. He didn't arrange for Jonah to be destroyed. He arranged transportation for Jonah to get in the right path. He was preparing in advance to get Jonah back on track. And I want you to know this in your life, that you're never going to outwit God. There's nowhere you're going to run in your life that somehow he hasn't thought of the contingency plan for. He's going to be like, well, I didn't expect him to go that way. No, God can plan and he's ready for you. And he is committed to you. And he wants you to do something great. So whether you're here today, maybe you, you find yourself this morning. If you're honest with yourself, if you looked at your life, you're like, is my life a story of wisdom or folly? And you're like, hmm, is my life a picture? Like if people were watching and reading my life right now, would it be a story of people like, this is what it looks like when you follow God? Or is this maybe a story it looks like when you're resisting him? It doesn't matter. Either way, there's going to be something in this today's story that's going to help you come back to him. Or maybe you're here today and you know you're running from God. Like you, God said, hey, I want you to go, you know, east across the land. You're just like, I'm going to go west across the water. And you know you've been running from God. He has a will for you and you've been running. Here's the thing. God is already there. He is on the west and the east coast. Right? He's prepared for you. And he's going to direct you back to his path. Now, you get to choose a level of comfort that you get in the ride. But don't think that somehow you're going to outwit God. You're going to thwart him, and you're going to thwart his mighty plans in your life. God is out there. The Lord arranged for giant fish for Jonah, and he's prepared in our lives as well. So here's the thing. How do you arrange, how do you recognize in your life that you are uh, maybe going the wrong way and correct? Or how do you make sure that you center your life in God's will, which is really what we want to do? Because most of us don't want to be swallowed by, by fish, right? Because that's not fun. So how do you center your life in God's will? Well, the first thing you need to do is acknowledge that God has a will for my life. That, that's where we have to begin, right? Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says this. God has a will for Jonah's life. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Anathai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Right? Sometimes God's will for your life is very, very clear. It's pretty obvious. There are things, like we have Scripture now. We don't need to have prophets always coming to us, tell us we have the Holy Spirit in Scripture. Sometimes we find in the Word, God says, do this thing. Maybe it's, you know, you know, stay pure. If you're dating somebody, make sure they're equally yoked. Maybe it's, you know, you need to start tithing and be generous. Maybe it's you need to start serving somebody. Maybe it's you need to forgive somebody. You know, it's something in God's Word is very, very clear for you. It's a very clear thing, and you are just resisting it. Okay, the recognize that God has a will for your life and it can be found. Sometimes it's a little bit more nuanced. Right? Sometimes the Holy Spirit, we're praying for God, we're asking for wisdom, and you just know. God's telling you, hey, I want you to invite this person to church or to share your faith with them or to pray for this person, right? And you know it. See, God is too good of a communicator to make you confused about these things, right? He is the word. He created language. All these people are, you know, so many times I have Christians like, I'm trying to puzzle out what God's will is for my life. I'm like, if God wants you to know, you will know, right? He is a really, really good communicator. If you're asking, you're listening, you'll know. But if you know he has a will for your life, 
Right? If if you've been praying or whatever and God has a direction for your life, then do it. At least start by saying that you're not an accident. You're just not one of these many thousands and billions of sheep that God has. And he's like, oh, the kids, they'll just play. No, he's got a purpose for you, for your life. And if you begin with this, we have this song, right? Trust and obey, begin to learn to follow Jesus. He's told you what to do. You know, there are so many things in this book right here that I can begin applying today that I know are his will for my life. Why am I trying to puzzle out all of these metaphorical what-if things with God when he has so many very clear things for me to do, like love my enemies? How about pray for those in authority? That's something that I can do, right? How about uh, serve those who are around me? How about learning how to trust him in all areas of my life, in my time, my talent, my treasure, how I live? Start there. Start following Jesus. he'll, He'll direct you exactly where he wants to go, but start with this. God has a will for your life. Then once we have that, the second thing we're going to do is uh, recognize I run away from him. And I think there was a sign there. Oop. Admit that I constantly fight against God's will. That's the second thing you do. Admit that you're just, con- and it says constantly. Why constantly? Because you have a sin nature. And what that sin nature is, it's basically a broken moral compass. It's this thing is your default is to go stupid, right? And mine is too. Right? That's why we need God and his word. We're going to just miss God's will. He's going to say, go this way. And we're like, no, because I'm always wandering the other way. It's why he gave us the word. It's why he gave us his Holy Spirit. It's why he gave us Christians right, around us so that we can pick his will and to follow it. But admit it. Just be like, okay, probably if I follow my gut, if I follow my heart, I'm going to go the wrong way. So just admit it. And it's okay. God's not mad at you for that. Right, But we have to at least start with the level of humility that I'm not the most perfect human that's ever lived. That in, in my life, like Aaron Dorman, I fight against God's will for my life. He wants me to do one thing, and I find myself, if I'm just on autopilot, I just kind of track off the wrong way, which is why I can't go on autopilot. It's why I have to follow Jesus. It's why I have to make my faith something that guides me. I know God has a will for me. I know that I'm wired to go the wrong way. So then what do I do? Well, I, I think we recognize that when Jonah ran away from Tarshish, God, uh, he brought him back. He arranged for a storm, right? And God did this for Jonah because there was a plan. God wanted people in, Tar- or in, in Nineveh to come back to him and all of that. But we see this, that, that this same thing that Jonah does is no different than us. For all sin and fall short of God's glorious standards, right? Rome, uh, Romans 3. That that's in you and me. So I recognize that I've wandered from God, so what do I do? Well, I allow God to redirect me towards his will. Now you get to choose how he's going to do that. Because God loves you too much just to let you wander off a cliff. You're his child. He wants you to have a great life. He has a purpose and a plan for you. He knows you're going the wrong way. So God uses basically four things in a human's life to help redirect them. And you get to choose which of these four. He'll, you can allow him to use to redirect you, right? The first thing that God uses, and they are all going to start with peace because I love you, because that uh, helps you remember these things, are predicaments, right? That's what Jonah found himself into, a very fishy-smelling predicament, right? He's stuck inside of a big old fish being eaten by fish juice, right? He feels his, the acids eating away his skin and all that, and he had some time to rethink and redirect. He uses storms and things like that. He does that in our lives. Sometimes when we are wandering away from God, he will allow the consequences of our life to be like, to make us reassess our direction and our choices. We don't even get mad at God because there are these predicaments. Sometimes they help correct us and direct us. 
The second thing that we find that God uses is people. Now, in Jonah's story, he uses fishermen. And how did they redirect him? They threw him over, overboard. You know, and it took some, some, take, some doing of that. But oftentimes, God will use people in our lives. Sometimes it's people that help us make, they're like, you want to make bad choices? We're going to help you make the worst choices. We're going to join you in that, just like the fishermen, right? And then things get so bad, right? They help destroy our lives. And then we're like, oh. But even better, if you can surround yourself with good people who are, if you're going the wrong way, they're like, hey, you're going the wrong way. Come this way. Those are the best kind of people, right? Because they keep us from being eaten by fish. And that's what you want. And that's why church is so important. That's why it's important that we are surrounded by a group of people that are following Jesus. So when one strays, it's very obvious you're straying so that we can help come back on course. We use people in our lives. And God uses the people in our lives oftentimes to help redirect us. Third thing God uses is prayer. This is what Jonah didn't do. He didn't pray. He didn't talk to God because he didn't want to hear what God had to say because he knew what God wanted him to do. So he didn't talk to him, right? And if you are right now in that space, trust me, there was a couple months ago when I was wrestling with this. And that's why I put that prayer one up there is because I was wrestling with God on that. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to do what you asked me to do, God. So I'm not going to talk to you about it for a while. But don't do that. Because there's fishes circling in the water, and you don't want that. So here's the thing. Talk to God. He says if you ask him for wisdom, he'll give it to you. He's not going to look for a reason not to. He's just going to give it to you. He'll direct you. Begin practicing. If you want to know more about prayer, listen to last week's message. But prayer is huge. And if Jonah would have talked to God, I'm sure he could have reasoned it out with him at first. Instead, instead he decided to run away. The last thing that God will use if we ignore all the rest are, is pain. C.S. Lewis said pain is God's megaphone. I like that because it's so oftenly true, right? I imagine when you're in the belly of a fish, it's not comfortable, right? And there are times that God will allow us to endure pain to redirect us into what he wants us to do. It's not that he hurts us because he enjoys hurting us. He allows us to endure difficult things so that we recognize the direction we're going actually leads to even greater pain. It's leading to our own destruction in much greater ways. He allows us to face consequence so that we, ch we change. And maybe some that are here today are in the midst of pain. You're like, Lord, where are you? And there's always this thing, where it's the problem of pain? How come uh, good people suffer? I'm like, I've never met a good person, for starters, right? And yes, we suffer because this world is broken, yes. But a lot of times we suffer because we're just not where we need to be. We're running from God, we're doing the wrong things, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain or psychological pain or financial pain. A lot of times, pain comes into our life because we have not been following God. The answer in that is to turn back to the Lord, right? to allow God to redirect us. And that's the fourth thing that we need to do w to stay in God's will is to accept God's love as I return to his will. You're going to see that Jonah does this. Next week, we're going to be in the belly of a fish, which will be super fun. I promise it won't be as smelly as it sounds because we're not with Jonah, literally. But here we have, accept God's love as I return to his will. God is not the kind of God, even though he's so powerful and he's so mighty, right? He is Lord. He is sovereign. I mean, it, he is pretty terrifying. And yet, he is a loving father. And he cares for you. And God is quick to forgive and the reason that he brings us back into his will is because his will is the very best thing for you. It's the very best thing for us. And when you come back into his will, he's not going to be there and be like, ha ha, I told you so. God restores you and he redeems your suffering and he actually uses it to help you grow and to be strong. So accept his love. 
I know that some may be in a really dark space. In this last year, I've, I've done more counseling, pastoral counseling. I've done the history of my 17 years of ministry by far. I know a lot of people are, are really struggling right now. And there's a lot of pain to be out there. I want you to know that God is there. See, God isn't just in the storm. God was also with Jonah in the belly of the whale. And you're going to see that next week. When God talked to him, God was even there in that moment. And God is with you. He listens now. And if you found yourself, whether running directly away from God or maybe just a couple degrees away from what he wants you to do, but you know you're resisting his will, know that he's there with you, ready to help you, ready to guide you. You just have to turn to him now. Remember our our memory verse? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. This is where we need to start. Do you really believe that God has your best and everything's best in his interest? That his will is best for our life? I think most of the times we stray, it's because we don't believe that. We don't trust in the Lord. Instead, we lean on our own understanding, and so our paths get all crooked, and we go all over the place. We find ourselves on boats and in the bellies of fish, and we wonder what happened. We start with this. You can save yourself you know, a whale cruise, if you just trust in God's will, your path will be straighter. Your life will make more sense. This is why we need to start here. Trust in God. Let him redirect you. Don't lean on what you think is best. Just trust his way. Say, God, your ways are going to be my way. And as you do that, you're going to see him begin to correct not just your path, your life will make more sense, but I think you'll also avoid a lot of those other things, that awful pain, which we so much don't want to have in our life, right? So let's begin with that this week. How do you apply this? Well, you have your connection card, and I know you do because I saw them. On the back side of it, there's going to be some things for you to do. The first thing I'm going to challenge every one of us to do this week is to memorize Proverbs 3.5. I have quoted this verse multiple times over the last year because there's lots of times that... Uh, Aaron's will is a very different than God's will for Aaron. And I have to trust what God says, even if it cuts against my preference. And I will tell you that God is making my path straight. It, things make more sense. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do it. So memorize that. Also, would you read Jonah 1? I paraphrased it for you, and I did a really great job, but I don't do as good of a job as actually reading the story. And it's not long, so why don't you read it? Something else? Maybe this week as you commit to trusting God's plan, not just memorizing that passage, but you know that God's a plan for your life. And maybe right now you've been struggling with it, worried about it, all that kind of stuff. Say, God, I'm just, I'm going to stop the war and arguing against you. I'm going to admit that what you have for my life is going to be better for me, even if I don't understand it yet. Have that mental, emotional change of heart positioned towards God. And maybe the second thing is, maybe you know you're outside of God's will today. You know that you're living in sin. You're doing something that God does not want you to do, right? This is going to be your challenge. This is the day. Return to his plan. Why wait? Start now. Today could be the day of trusting God. God will meet you here. And you're going to see some amazing. He will make your path straight. Make the day the day of what we call, it's actually repentance, but it's returning to his plan. And if you need some help with that, come talk with me, call me, email me. We will help you as you restore and you return to God's plan for your life.
hopefully all of you have at least one thing that you can apply. Know that I'll be praying for you this week here in a minute. Um, I'm going to pray the worship band's going to come up. We're going to sing a song. As you leave, please take those connection cards, put them in the offering basket along with your tithes and your gifts. But take the commitment that you've made today in your heart. Keep it with you this week, and let's apply it and see God at work as we start following the Lord so we, you know, don't continue going the wrong way. All right, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness that you have a plan for our lives so much better than our plan for our lives, that you have directed our steps. And, Lord, we want to trust in you with all our hearts. But, Lord, that is hard. That is easy to say and really, really hard to do. So, Father, I pray that you would help us today. Let us know your loving kindness, but also your power and sovereignty. Give us the ability to trust you, to follow you, and to obey what you have for us so we can live the rich, full life you have uh, called us to, that you would make our path straight. Lord, we've made commitments today. Help us to keep those. Help us to draw closer to you as we do. Lord, I pray that through our trust and through our obedience and through our relationship with you, that you wouldn't just uh, allow us to be a blessing to those that we live around, but Father, that you would allow us to reflect your goodness to everyone else that we live around, that our lives would be a testimony to your reality, to your goodness, and to your wisdom. Father, I pray that you bless our tithes, our offerings, and our commitments this week to grow your kingdom through them all. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.